Speaking with Deacon is a production of the Perusia Podcast Network in partnership with Voice of Charity Australia and EWTN Asia Pacific. Join us as we discuss strategies that will empower us to announce the gospel of the Lord daily through our words and deeds. This is Speaking with Deacon. Hello and thanks for joining us on a special episode of Speaking with Deacon. As those watching the video will see, I have with me here in person in Australia, Deacon Harold Burke Sivers. He's here taking part in the Be Not Afraid tour and we're very excited that he's finally back down under. Deacon, thanks for joining us. Welcome to Australia oh, once again. It's great to be here in person. It's so this good is, to have you here. This is exciting. It's always good to do it over Zoom, but there's nothing like being in person. That's this, right. this is reality somewhat. So That's right. That's right. Your seventh trip down to Australia. Yes. How's yes. it been? You've been here uh, just over 24 hours. Yes. And fit quite a bit into it already. Yep. Hit the ground running. Got off the plane. Went, uh, t- took a shower, changed into my suit and came right here. That's it. And that's the Perusia way, isn't yeah. it? We, we, t- we tend to work the speakers hard. It's hard to get people down here. So so yeah. once they're here, we tend to make the most of the time. And so. that's just fine. That's good. Yeah. Great to have you here. Thank it's you. a little bit different to when you were last here, pre-COVID days. And yeah. the whole yeah. culture seems to have changed as a new level of fear in the world, maybe. And like I said at the start, the, the conference that you're here attending today when we're recording, uh, if anyone hears the shouting, Tim Staples is over only a couple of hundred meters away. Yeah. I don't know if that distance is enough to make sure the sound doesn't interrupt, <laughs> but, but Tim's going really well over in the main room. And, but yeah, it's a different world these days, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Um, we see people filled with a lot of anxiety, fear, doubt, um, you know, even having trouble coming back to church, coming back to the sacraments again. Yes. You know, it's just, uh, it's, a, it's a very interesting place to be as a church. But I think it also creates tremendous opportunities. You know, so I think that's why this conference is so important, you know, to get people thinking and reconnecting them with their faith. You know, the word religion, um, ligion in Greek means to join, mm-hmm. religion means to rejoin. Right. So to, to reconnect ourselves with the uh, with intimate relationship with Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. you know, and with the sacraments through which he gives us his grace to be able to, um, to strengthen us, to be able to live this faith with conviction and passion in the world is really important. I like how you said it's an opportunity because what we've seen over the past couple of years is good, solid, practicing Catholic families who are, were doing what they did in their faith week in, week out, have now actually been challenged. And a lot of them have actually come out with differing opinions on, on how everything's been handled over the last couple of years throughout the pandemic. And there's been a lot of division But I think that's important because the division highlights that we're not on the same page in every aspect. And maybe this is an opportunity for conversation. We've gone through what we've gone through for the past couple of years. And I think this has highlighted the key to having good, meaningful conversations, hasn't it? No, that's so true. And, you know, we need to get back to having those conversations in person. Yes. Right. (laughs) Face to face, because we're we're an incarnational church. Right. Mm -hmm. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. I mentioned yesterday that uh, God loves us with his own heart and touches with his own hands. He yes. wanted personal experience with us. He didn't, the word didn't become flesh and say, I'm going to have a Zoom meeting now. Yeah. You know? <laughs> That's so, right. So, um, so it's important for us to, uh, to get back together, to yes. be together as a people. To, you know, I, I still have people, Mark, that when I go to shake their hand, they pull back. Yeah. Or they want to do a fist bump or elbow bump. I say, you know, and I'm not a big hugger, but I'm willing to hug people yes. now, yeah. you know, to, to, to help with that reconnecting ourselves Absolutely. again, you know, so. And we even had a little bit at in the Q&A. This is day two of the conference that we're filming this. But in, in the Q&A session yesterday, 
We had the question of the church's closing. We had the question of the response from the church. And there was tension in the yeah. room as that was being answered. And yeah. people realized we're all here trying to live our faith. And, and we do have disagreement on these. So I think that conversation it only, it only went for about 10 minutes on that part of the Q&A. But that went a long way to just highlighting, yes, there are differing opinions. But if we stay faithful and actually discuss this as we go along, we're actually reinforcing ourselves in the faith rather than being divided. So I don't know. I just think that the, the culture is very different, as I said, from last time you were here. But like, like I say, I think there's a real opportunity to, to move forward and to actually identify these things where we weren't necessarily on the same page and do something about actually getting on that page together. Now, while you were in your lockdown over in the States, you, you obviously had time to reflect and, and do things that you otherwise wouldn't have had time to do if you were out on the road. And one mm -hmm. of those things was as you were reading the scriptures, you developed a new talk yes. and you presented that talk for the first time here yesterday. And I was blown away by it. And I actually knew the, the crux of the talk coming into it. We knew what you were going to be speaking on and where you were taking that from in the scriptures. So I actually spent the night before an adoration reading through those scriptures. And then ah. when you gave the talk the next day, it just, it was fantastic. But the theme of the talk is staying awake in a woke culture. Mm -hmm. Obviously a very, very important theme in the world today. And this talk, the genesis of this talk, and the reason I use the word genesis is because I said in a previous podcast, we always seem to go back to genesis in our discussion. So I've done it again. The genesis of this talk wasn't genesis, it was the book of Daniel. Mm -hmm. So can you start us off? How did you formulate this talk? And then we might get into the details and, and go through this topic because I think it's very, very valuable in the world we are in today. Yeah, so as, as I mentioned, uh, as you mentioned actually, that I, I spent time during the pandemic um, going through books of the Bible that I didn't normally spend a lot of time in. Yes. Right? Uh, and, and this time I decided to focus on the Deuterocanonical, so-called Deuterocanonical books, right? Mm -hmm. So um, Judith, Tobit, Wisdom, Sirach, um, Baruch, Maccabees, uh, Proverbs, and Daniel, you know, and Daniel was one of them. So when I got, and I, basically I wasn't doing like a study. I was just kind of just reading through them. And I pulled out some things that I can incorporate into talks that I currently do to kind of bring a new freshness to it. But when I got to the book of Daniel, I just started reading. I'm like, it just, it, it, I, was, I was, wait a minute, some parallels here between uh, what Nebuchadnezzar is doing during the Babylonian exile and what's happening on our culture today. Yes. And so I, I, so I went back again, the first chapter, and started reading through it. And I started taking some notes and, you know, and I said, I think I can create a talk out of this, you yeah. know, and compare it to the woke culture. So I should probably explain what... Yeah, what, what does the word woke mean? Let's start there. That's a yeah, good place so to start. Obviously, when people, before uh, 2014, 2015, when the word kind of took on the meaning that we understand it now, woke means it means like you're awake. Yes. You know, um, but now it means that you know, uh, spiritually, intellectually, historically, theologically, that um, we've been asleep yes. for a long time. The facts we've been given, the things that we've been taught, what we've come to understand and, and come to know to be true, we're actually asleep the whole time. Yeah. Now, the modern culture, with its secular humanism, with its moral relativism, with its restructuring of history, with its um, uh, uh, cultural way of approaching ideas, um, they're waking us up now to, mm -hmm. to what reality is, um, which is basically a joke. Yeah. Uh, that, that, that's, not what, that's not what they're doing at all. They're actually, they're the ones that are actually 
uh, uh, sleeping. Yes. And, and it's the truth and beauty of our faith in Jesus Christ that needs to be the wake-up call. Yeah, there's no thought required in some of the, the ideas out there anymore. And it seems like the world has stopped thinking mm-hmm. and just happy for something to wash over them, doesn't mm-hmm. it? Yeah. Yeah, and it's basically a lot of so, uh, cultural construction, right? That's what we call it, um, where, where uh, social construction and cultural construction, where, um, where they are building ideas based on their own way of perceiving reality. It's yeah. sub- very subjective, yeah. you know? And, and it doesn't come to the beauty of the truth that says this is true for all of us, no matter what race, color, yes. creed you are, there yeah. are certain things that are true, good, and beautiful about the human person. Yes. And that's what needs to be brought forward in yeah. our culture today. And then in this presentation you gave on this topic yesterday, this is where the scriptures come back into it. You made the connection back to King Nebuchadnezzar. Mm-hmm. So can you take us through the connection that you've yeah, made and why yeah. that story really speaks to exactly where we are today? And yeah. just for those who are about to hear this, as I heard Deacon deliver this presentation, it's like, as, as Scott Hahn regularly says, history doesn't repeat itself, but it sure does rhyme. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. This, this is, this is yeah. perfect rhyme at the moment if yeah. you apply this to where we are. So mm-hmm. back to King Nebuchadnezzar. What was the world like at this point in time? Yeah, and what's so, the connection here? So the beginning of Book of Daniel, Chapter 1, and if you have your Bibles, follow along. Um, this is the beginning of the Babylonian exile. So it says, uh, in the third year of the reign of King Jehoiakim, King of Judah, because remember, why does it say King of Judah instead of King of Israel? Because the, uh, the, the 12 tribes were split. This is after so you the had division. Israel in the north, yeah. so the 10 tribes in the north, and then Benjamin and Judah in the, in the south. south. So he was the king of, uh, Jehoiakim was the king of Judah. Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, um, came to Jerusalem and besieged it, and the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand. Now, when we think of uh, the Jewish people, they're they're God's chosen people, right? They were supposed to be the ones that were supposed to to witness to the presence and the power of God to the other cultures around them. They were supposed to be, if, if you... Uh, if you want to say, the evangelizing witness of God, the one God, to the other pagans and their pagan gods all around them. But instead, they became a little too comfortable. Mm -hmm. They became a little too lazy. And they started, instead of being a witness to God, they started adopting pagan ways of thinking and living and understanding and even worshiping. Yes. You know, and so God says, well, if you don't want me to rule over you, I'll let Babylon rule over you then. And that's why it says he gave, the Lord gave them into his hand. You know, and you look at what's happening today. You know, we as a Catholic church, especially when it comes to contemporary issues Mm -hmm. in our culture, um, difficult moral issues. You know, we have a tendency to, instead of being that strong, powerful witness of the truth, who's not, remember, truth is not an idea. It's a person, Jesus Christ. Instead of witnessing to his truth and standing strong and firm, you know, we've, in a sense, kind of acquiesced to the culture. We've, we've become lazy. We've become it's like our own, It's our own captivity, isn't it? Yes. We, we are captives to the culture. Yes. And so God says, well, if you want me to rule over you, I will let the secular culture rule yes. over you. Yeah. You know, and that is exactly what's happening today. The culture is running roughshod over, because you look at the attacks on religious freedom. You look at the uh, attacks on, um, uh, on even the teachings, uh, our, our presence in social media, all of those are being called into question now by the culture. We're supposed to be uh, emphasizing freedom and tolerance and all this stuff that they talk about. Sure. Um, but, but now we've, we're put into position 
because again, we, we're not standing strong in the faith where the culture is ruling over us. Exactly. And then they, they enter into this time of captivity. They probably don't even know they're becoming captive at this point because they are so lazy. They're so detached. They're so out of tune with what's going on around them. Do they even know that they've become captive to this culture at this point in time? See, and that's the thing. They've become so comfortable and so used to it yeah. that they don't even know what's going yeah. on. I mean, in, in the States, we have this expression of the, the boiling frog, right? So yes. if you put yes, the frog in, a, in, a, in a, 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 a pot full of just regular water, it's fine. And then as you slowly turn the heat up, the yes. frog will stay there. Yes. Because, you know, and then it'll, it'll boil to death. Yes. Because, it, you know, it, it doesn't recognize what's happening to it. And the same thing's happening in our culture today. Uh, we've, and when you think about, you know, even the tension within the church, mm -hmm. certain teachings and certain things happen in the culture that everybody's splitting the church, you know, because people don't fully understand what God is trying to do in them and in the church. You know, so they're listening to the voice of the culture and saying that the culture should adapt, the church should adapt to the culture. Sure. Not the other way around. Yeah. And that, that's, that's the problem. And I think part of that problem is it's not just the faithful within the church. We feel like, and I'm, I'm not pointing any fingers here because we've got some wonderfully holy and solid clergy in our church. But it's even gone that far, hasn't it? Some of the leaders aren't awake that this is happening. And, and we are really struggling to find someone to actually lead us in this battle against this in this time today. That's true because you even see, you know, in, in uh, the Blessed Virgin Mary had approved apparition in Akita, yes. Japan in the 70s. And she said there's going to come a time where you're going to see cardinal against cardinal, bishop against bishop. And yeah. we're seeing that yeah. now well and truly. Yeah. over teachings that are, to me, are very clear, yes. you know, but, but again, they're, they're, they're having disagreements even among the hierarchy, and that causes confusion yeah. with us, who are supposed to be trying to be faithful to the magisterium, but if they can't even agree themselves, then how are we, you know, so that, that causes a tension and a division, which is exactly what the devil wants. He's the one that's a divider. We've gone off on a little tangent here, but I think it's important just to follow this through just a little bit longer, and we'll, we'll jump back into to Daniel in a minute, but just on this point, I think it's very important that we're talking about cardinal against cardinal, bishop against bishop. I think it is very important that even if we don't agree with something that a bishop has chosen to do, or we don't agree with something our parish priest has chosen to do, we have to be faithful to them. They are our leaders. They are our shepherds. We have to be faithful to them, obviously, unless there's something obviously immoral that we're being asked to do. But at the same time, this same bishop that we might have disagreed with when they do something well, when they speak up against something in, in the culture, against something that's happening in the culture, as we would expect of them, we have to applaud them. So even if we haven't agreed with them on a certain issue, when they come and do something right, we have to support them. We have to applaud them. We have to acknowledge, yes, thank you for leading us, because they will see that. They will feel the support, and hopefully that support as well helps keep them on track, just like we're hoping they keep us on track. And it actually works back and forth, doesn't it? They're the leader, yes, but they need our support, don't they? Yeah, it's often very easy to criticize. It's often hard to praise. Right? Sure, absolutely. So when they do stand up against something, I remember at my own archbishop, um, there was a young lady who, uh, in her 20s, uh, that had cancer yes. and decided, you know, because Oregon has euthanasia as legal. Yes. And so she wanted to euthanize herself. So the bishop wrote a very strong letter, you know, to, uh, in a very loving way, supporting her and and you know, there you know, you don't have to take your own life. You still have value and, and things like that. So, and and some people criticize them, but but a lot of people in the church actually praise them. 
Yeah. You know, and uh, and I think it's when when bishops hear that, then that gives them the courage yes. to continue to speak yes. out against uh, difficult issues in the culture, which can be confusing to Catholics. Yeah, absolutely. Now, I think it was just important just to, to add that little bit on that point that, yes, we are their followers. They are our shepherds, but we're all on the journey together and we do need to support them. Mm -hmm. So absolutely. Back to Daniel. Yeah. We're, we're in we're in this captivity now in Babylon and whether the, whether or not they know they're captive or not, what starts happening? Yeah, so Nebuchadnezzar be, slowly begins the process of uh, indoctrinating the Israelite people into, um, into Babylonian culture, into, into pagan culture. So first thing that he does, he goes to the temple and he takes the vessels and the vestments that were used in the worship of God mm -hmm. in the temple and he takes them and he takes them to Shinar, which is one of the cities where the uh, pagan temple was located, and he, and he basically puts them on display like a museum, sure. or like an art studio. <laughs> oh, look at the what they used to worship. They just put it in here. And just... so, so he takes what was used for the sacred, and now he desacralizes it. He makes it meaningless. Mm -hmm. And so, when you look at uh, things in the culture today that were once held to be sacred, and you look at how they're being desecrated in the culture today. Sure. So, the example I gave was the human body. Mm -hmm. You know. Um, uh, Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19, that our bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit that we have from God. He goes, you are, you are not your own. You've been bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. Right? When you look at what we're doing with our bodies today, in examples, I, I, I talked about the excessive tattooing and body piercing and body modifications and, and uh, scarring and implants. Mm -hmm. You know, um, and I'm not talking about like breast implants for cancer and things like that. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about, you know, uh, implants where you literally disfigure yourself sure. to look like an animal or a being or a, a evil spirit. I mean, I, and this is not, I'm not, I mean, I've seen this. I've yeah. seen this, you know, um, uh, or, or, or people, for example, they want to identify with someone who's handicapped. Mm -hmm. So they will deliberately have a healthy part of their arm cut off or a limb, no cancer no, on purpose so they can identify with, in fact, there was in states that one guy who wanted to identify as a, as a baby, as an infant. So this grown man in his 40s with a beard and mustache was wearing a diaper and drinking from a, a baby bottle and have a little rattle in his hand. And his wife was treating him because he, he said, I, I want to identify as a baby. <laughs> what? I mean, what, see, what's happened here? Yeah, see, see what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, so, so the body is sacred, yes. but now it's being desecrated, right? Um, you know, I went on to talk about also the uh, pornography and human trafficking, mm -hmm. you know, because pornography fuels human trafficking. And both are billion dollars industries with a B. Yes. You know, uh, and so we're, we're taking children, um, both boys and girls and women, and exploiting them. Yes. For, for money. So the human body has become desecrated. It's now an object for gratification. It's, it's no longer sacred. You know, we no longer see each other the way God sees us. Yes. You know, um, that, that's a huge problem. Um, you know, I went on also to talk about um, some of the technologies, the genetic technologies that we're using. For example, um, what well, human cloning is one, but also embryonic stem cell research. Mm -hmm. You know, how we're taking embryos, children, mm -hmm. uh, you know, they're human beings at an early, I can call it embryo, blastocyst, zygote, yes. uh, but it's just a human being at an early stage of development and we're 
we're destroying them to yes. use their genes. But, but the, the thing is, the reality is, is that there, uh, I mentioned 73 different diseases yes. currently being treated now with adult stem cells, yes. which, are, which come from uh, umbilical cord blood, skin cells, yes. and bone marrow. Yes. And you know, scientists don't expect any diseases to be treated with embryonic stem cells in the, in the next 10 years. That, 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 that's just to clarify. Zero. Zero. Zero, zero treatment mm -hmm. because the treatments are coming from another place. They're coming from adult stem cells. Adult stem cells, you don't destroy the life to retrieve those cells. Right. So, And, and the reason why that's so effective because they're called pluripotent cells. Yes. So because they come from your own body, yes. you know, you can dial those cells back to, to, uh, to a state where they were when they were still developing so they can become any other kind of cell. So you can take that and use that to fight these other cancerous yes. cells or diseased cells in the body. That's why those therapies are effective. When you use an embryo, you're using a cell from a, another person, from a child, and it doesn't quite, so your body attacks that cell. Yes. And they haven't figured out how to make that work yet. Yeah. But why even do that when we have 73 diseases right. being treated with adult stem cells? Make the adult stem cells therapy even better. Yes. Why even Invest mess with there. the children anymore? Yeah. That, that, that's, it just drives me insane. But this is, once again, it's an example of the culture not thinking. It's the culture coming up with their conclusion and then trying to find a way to make that stick rather than mm -hmm. actually thinking through to what, what conclusion is feasible. And, and we don't seem to do that in this culture anymore. We just we don't think anymore. Yeah, we just feel. Everything's, I feel, I feel. What about I think? Yes, exactly. You know? And the final example I gave with regarding that was to uh, marriage. Absolutely. You know? this, is, this, is, this is the obvious one that's been in front and center in the media, in the culture, is out there. They're telling us that we need to redefine this. Yeah, so, and, and um, because it really is an attack against the, 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 the human body and the dignity of the human person. And I mentioned that marriage uh, comes from the word matrimony. Mm -hmm. Actually, when I, when I talk about the sacraments, I don't even say marriage anymore. I say matrimony. That's what's yes. called in the catechism. Yes. Because uh, matri, matrimonia, matrimony, uh, comes from two Latin words, which means the state or condition of motherhood. So, so, so if you want to redefine what marriage is, you have to take those, those two words mm -hmm. that are objectively mean what they mean and make them mean something else. Mm -hmm. You know, who has a right to do, to literally take objective words and say, I, I, all of a sudden, I don't want to mean that, so I want to mean this. Is that being awake? Is that what the woke thing is? We're asleep by taking real words and making them mean what they actually mean? It, it's ridiculous what, what's, what's happening in our culture today. And, it's cr and, 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 you know, marriage is the obvious one, but it is happening left, right, and center. And mm. there's no sign of it slowing up. It's like a snowball running downhill and... Well, now they start like with a, marriage. Now they're redefining yeah. gender. Yes. You know, and it's just... It's, you're right. It's just snowballing into all these other things. And uh, again, it's the culture that's becoming more and more asleep. In fact, it's becoming comatose. Exactly. You know, <laughs> it, it, not just asleep, Beyond comatose. Asleep. Yeah. You know, um, and, and we are the ones, I think, uh, that have to wake the culture up. And that's what this talk is. That we continue to talk about how, what, what we can do to begin that process. Well, let's go through now. So, so this sacrilege is taking place in the culture in Babylon. Mm -hmm. What's the next step in this? So now, so, so, so he removes those things that were sacred mm -hmm. so, they can no, so the people can no longer look at them and say, this, used, this is sacred to us. Now he begins the process of taking the young, mm -hmm. uh, and, and here specifically talking about the young men, uh, and he begins to uh, educate them in the ways of Babylon, the ways of the pagans. 
So he begins the process of brainwashing them, of indoctrinating them into pagan culture. And that's exactly what's happening in our culture. They're taking our young people, right? And, and they're brainwashing them, uh, uh, deprogramming them, um, indoctrinating them into sec very, very secular ways of thinking. The obvious place that's happening is in the schools where Catholic schools aren't even allowed to be Catholic anymore. And, and in a lot of cases, the majority of the student body aren't Catholics in a, in a lot of cases around the world in the Catholic system. But it also goes beyond that. It goes into the media that the young people are absorbing. And, and when I say absorbing, they're really absorbing. They're not, not, not just looking at it and then moving on to the next thing. They look at it, they absorb it, they idolize the movie stars, they just the computer games and all of these different things that they're doing. I can tell you that there are very few computer games out there that would represent a Christian approach to life. Mm -hmm. And just, just the computer game concept in and of itself, to spend some time there, well, you can do something for enjoyment, but computer games suck them in and they will sit there for hours and hours and hours trying to get to the next level, to the next challenge, all within a fictitious world. So it's not just the education system, but there's definitely issues in the education system. But, but it goes more widely, more broadly than that, doesn't it? Yeah. So uh, things like the, the, the cell phone and video games and social media, those things in and of themselves are not bad. But uh, when they become your God, mm -hmm. you know, small g, things that you begin to worship, that's when it becomes a problem, mm -hmm. you know? And what happens is, it actually is a, a, an interesting parallel with the pandemic, this idea of isolation, yep. don't touch me. Mm -hmm. And so when you isolate yourselves with these video games and social media, you know, you're creating a world within yourself. And, and so you don't know and learn how to interact with other people. Even this morning, I met a young man and uh, I went to shake his hand and he had, he just like a little wimpy. I mean, he barely <laughs> put his hand in my hand. Yes. And, and, he, and, he, and, he and he looked away. away. Yep. I, and I was like, That's oh my the big goodness, one. I talked about this yesterday. Yes. And now I actually meet a young man. He wasn't man. in the talk yesterday. <laughs> I, yeah, he wasn't there. So he, he, he just, and he looked away. I'm like, wow, that's exactly what I'm talking yes. about. I, I, I'm guessing this young man spends a ton of time in the video games because you're so into your own world. You're not comfortable with yeah. other people And anymore. this is in no way to pick fault at that right. young no, man. No, no, not, he not is, at all. He is a victim of the culture yes. around him. Yes. And when I was young, I was taught when you shake someone's hand, you look them in the yes. eye, if at all possible, you look them in the eye, a nice, firm, solid handshake. Yes, exactly. And it's basically you with your body displaying to them that they have your attention. Yes. You respect them yes. as another human being and they have your attention and you are looking at them. You are greeting them, whatever the conversation, where it goes. You are there and you are present to them, not, oh, hi, just hang on a sec, I'm just checking my phone. Yeah, yeah. Something yeah, I like mean, you even, you even have young people, you know, um, you know, like, oh, hi, nice to meet you. Hi. Like, what do you do? I go to school. <laughs> I mean, they can't have a conversation. They're not thinking, okay, here's a conversation. You know, uh, you know, uh, here's the next thing that I want to say. Here's what I'm, something I want to get across. Here's what I want to learn from this person. They, they, they're lacking those skills. Sure. And it's, it's, it's quite frightening, actually. And it's not, um, like I said, it's not necessarily their fault. Now, sure, yes, right. They right. do not go along Pointing with, fingers at them, right. But the people who are forming these young people, they have a lot to answer for in the world. And, you know, we might have all failed in our own children at different times as well. And we will have to answer for that. But even if we feel like, oh, maybe we, couldn't, we could have done it better before, start today. If you think, yeah, that's something I see my kids doing. They, yeah. they spend far too much time on the computer or they spend far too much time on social media. Address that today. And it might be too difficult to say, right, 
for a week, no more. Let's go cold turkey on this. It might be too difficult to do that, but at least start taking steps to actually address it so that they are actually able to interact with the world around them because the world is opening up again. I mean, this, whether it should have closed or not, that's a separate debate. But the reality is it's opening up again now and we have to interact with the world now. Mm-hmm. And it's very interesting to see, even in that couple of years where we were somewhat isolated, there has been a big shift. Yeah. And we have gone off on another tangent, but that's what this sort of topic, it does do it. It really reaches in all directions and you can see this applied in so many ways. And that's why I think the culture is struggling so much because it does have so much reach. Uh, yeah, no, exactly. Lives. I mean, I, I think one, one last point about this is that um, uh, the kind of isolation that I think is healthy is adoration. Mm-hmm. You know, because yeah. you're, you're, you're reveling in that silence. It's not a turning in on itself. I guess what the, the danger, potential mm-hmm. danger of social media and video games is a, is a turn in on the self. Yes. You know, you, where, where you kind of put the world to the side, you turn in on, you focus on yourself, whereas adoration you open yourself to receiving what God wants to give you. That's, that's the key that's difference, a big difference there. there. Yeah, and so the second one is, is you talk about schools, right? Yes. So, we, we, we're, so we're, most kids go through um, uh, 12, uh, 16 years of Babylonian brainwashing and indoctrination. Mm-hmm. It's called the school system. Eight yes. years of grade <laughs> school, four years of high school, four years of uni. Yes. You know, and, that, and in that process, and the schools are, Yeah, they're, they're teaching our young people what to think, not how to think. Another big, important. Yeah, it says this is what you will yeah. do. This is, well, wait a minute. You talk about being woke and get. You're only giving them one perspective. It's not even true. Mm. Not even good. Not even beautiful. You're giving them the what you think they should be thinking about, and not allowing them to see the whole picture. We. I might just interrupt you. We have got a studio audience. My two sons are in here listening as we record this, and I've got a question from the audience. What What's the question? All right. So, um, T- tell it to me because I've got the mic and I'll, I'll repeat it for you. So, um, when the um, Israelites were invaded yeah. and they were taken, yes. they started practicing paganism. Yes. Why would God let them be overtaken by a pagan? Okay, so the question is, if the Israelites were there and were taken into captivity by the Babylonians... Why would God have allowed that to happen at that point in time? Why didn't he stop that from happening? Well, because they were already uh, um, practicing pagan ways. Remember, they were, they were supposed to be the example of what it means to be a follower of God to the other cultures around them, right? But instead of doing that, they adopted the way the culture was thinking and started to bring it. So God says, wait a minute. You know, it was supposed to be the other way around. But since you want to act and think and worship like a pagan... Okay, I'll let Nebuchadnezzar is going to come and I'll just let it happen because that's what you want. And so, so here you go. A good example of that is King David. He was a soldier for the Lord and the Lord was with him. But the culture, the Israelites at the time, they weren't soldiers for the Lord. They were, they were just allowing the, the culture at the time just to wash over them. And God gives us free will. So they made yeah. their choice. They didn't fight for God. And so... God wasn't there to fight for them. So I think that, that's the important Yeah, because God respects, you know, uh, our decisions. You know, so we're going to make a decision not for God. God said, okay, well, you know, this is going to happen. And this is because you, this is what you want. And I love you enough to be able to, and, and again, God's helping them to learn from this lesson. But sometimes God has a, a, to allow us to make mistakes so we can learn from those mistakes and grow more deeply in love with him. But so. if they weren't supposed to be a pagan, then why would he let pagans invade them and control 
because they let them happen, because yeah. because they let that happen themselves, and because they weren't fighting for God, then God wasn't able to fight for them. He respected the free will, and so that happened as a result of the fact that they had already turned on God. So, so yeah, that's my son Luke, a budding young apologist. He'll, he'll right. be there one day. Looking forward to that day. But uh, but let's move on in the story. So so we are now in in Babylon. They are in captivity. They are being brainwashed. We might have to fast track this a bit because we are running out of time. Okay. But let's let's right. race through this part of the story. What, right. what is actually happening at this point in time? And where does the pushback come? Because there is a pushback, yeah. which is a good example that we're going to need to follow. Yeah. So the next thing Nebuchadnezzar does, uh, he wants to change their names. Mm -hmm. And so he changes. He talks about the four young men, Daniel, Hananiah, Azariah, Mishael. And he changes their names to Belteshazzar and then Shadrach, Abednego, and Meshach. Uh, so he changes their God-given names, their mm -hmm. godly names, to pagan names. And those names are the names of pagan gods, yes. uh, Syrian pagan gods. Um, and let's, so, just, let's just give an example of one. So Daniel, the name Daniel. What does yeah, Daniel so mean? Yeah, so Daniel, the, uh, the L at the end of the name is short for Elohim, which is one of the spoken names of God. Of God and yeah. the, so it means God is judge. You know, So he changes that to Belteshazzar, which is the name of a Babylonian god. Mm -hmm. So he goes... So forget your godly name, the names that God has given you. I'm giving you yes. a new name. Because when you change your name, you try to change your identity. Yes. And that's happening in our culture today. Exact you know? parallel to today. This is exactly. what I say. It is rhyming very well at the moment. Yes, so exactly. He tries to basically take away their God-given identity and put on the identity of a pagan god in, mm -hmm. in its place. So, so yeah. where do we go from So that? that's exactly what, our, what the culture is doing today. So it's taking the objective truth about marriage and gender yes. and redefining them. So instead of being made in the image likes of God, they're trying to make God in their own image and yeah. likeness. Yeah. This is happening in culture today. Um, so then Daniel, um, you know, they, they're, they're kind of accepting what's happening because mm -hmm. so far, even though they're trying to be brand, they're still faithful to God. Even though Nebuchadnezzar is trying his best, so so where they draw the line is with the food. So he goes, okay, we'll go to your schools, you know, we'll we'll take your names, whatever, um, because we still know who we are. Mm -hmm. You can give, it, but we know who we are inside. Um, but then he tries to give them the food, you know, to eat the pagan food, and that's where they draw the line. So we're not going to eat this, mm -hmm. you know. So so at some point they said, okay, we'll do this, but up to, up to this point, we will not defy God, mm -hmm. and that began to you know bother Nebuchadnezzar so then he decides to set up a golden image mm -hmm. that all of them had to worship if you didn't worship that golden image you're going to be thrown into the fiery furnace and those young men said it's the beautiful for me the beautiful part of the story not only you know so we believe that God's going to save us from the fire but even if he doesn't we will still not worship that idol. Sure. What courage! That's ultimate faith is. Imagine, it? I mean, imagine we, would we step to the culture like that? Mm -hmm. You know, we, we, you know, I don't care what you're going to do. I am not turning. That's what the martyrs did. And I think this is an important example of faith and putting the Lord to the test. They had faith that the Lord would be with them, if that was His will. But they didn't put Him to the test and say, He will be with us. We are fine. They actually qualified that. But if it is his will that we perish in this way, then his will be done. So it wasn't putting the Lord to the test. It was the ultimate faith. Yes, exactly. Exactly. No matter what happens, we are staying with God. We have, we're confident in trusting God's, in God's power and God's love. And, and, God's and so now, now there's pushback against King Nebuchadnezzar. Yeah. They're sort of forcing his hand a little bit now, aren't yeah. they? And so now what does he do? He throws them in the furnace. Like yes. you said, he, he stokes it up seven times hotter than it normally is. It's so hot that the soldier who threw them in there burned up from the yeah. heat coming out. 
And so they're in the midst of the flames. And in the midst of the flames, they're praising God. So, so the parallel I draw is we're in the midst of the flames right now. Look at what's happening in culture. I'm talking to young people who are, who are about to be married. They're afraid for their children. They're like, yeah. you know, a lot of people don't want to get married and have kids because they're afraid. Oh, what kind of culture are we creating for the future? Our kids are going to have to be grunt, uh, indoctrinated into all this. They're scared, you know. Um, uh, and so, but it, they're still in the midst of flames of praising. How are we praising God? Mm -hmm. How are we honoring God? How are we worshiping God in the midst of everything going on around us? Do we have that same beautiful childlike trust that Jesus talks about? Mm -hmm. You know, unless you can be like a child, you can't enter the kingdom of heaven. And that's the faith that these young men had. Um, and so, and what is Nebuchadnezzar trying to do? He's trying to cancel them. He's trying to deplatform them. Yes. He's trying to take their voice away from them. And clearly we see that in the culture today. Absolutely. We have social media um, deplatforming and trying to take the voice away from people of faith. Yes. Simply because, and just something just happened here. I just heard in Australia, you had someone that was a new president of, a, of one of your football, a rugby team. Yeah, teams. so we, we had the, the yeah. guy that was appointed CEO of the Essendon Football Club in the AFL down in Victoria. He was in the job for a day. Now, he has strong links to his um, Christian uh, church that he was a prominent member of the church. I don't know exactly uh, his role within this, this Christian. It's not a Catholic, not a Catholic church, but a, a Christian church. And this church has publicly spoken against the culture on uh, the various issues and there's been massive uproar to the point where even the Premier of Victoria has spoken out against this this decision to appoint this man to this role. How could someone so hateful, so bigoted be appointed to a role running a club in this inclusive competition? And they basically cancelled him to the point where 24 hours after being appointed into the role, he resigned. He resigned his role. He said, this is, this is untenable. I can't do this job if this is how it, it has to be done. And so, and, and to his credit, he stood by his, his beliefs. He didn't say, all right, well, I'll do it the way you want to do it then, and I'll denounce all of that. He stood by his beliefs, and he now doesn't have a job. But just to think that in such a short space of time, that was the impact of, of, of the pushback. And why people think he can't run a football club because he has ideas on a completely different topic, there are people in all workplaces, in all walks of life, who have got differing ideas, and you don't lose your job because you've got a different yeah. idea. At least you didn't used to lose your job because you had different ideas on things. But we've seen this a couple of times now for prominent people that once their, their views are made known publicly, there's a real issue for the, for the majority, and then they push back to the point where they say, no, we don't want you in this role. And this, this gentleman didn't last more than 24 hours. So yeah, this is, this is scary times. Since when did that have anything to do with the fact that he was running a football club? But apparently for some people that has everything to do with it and the actual football club part of it has got nothing to do with it. So yeah. Jim, where's a, the tolerance? This is it. They, where's the inclusiveness for that opinion? They say the Christian They're opinion. pointing the finger at him saying he's intolerant, so we're not gonna tolerate it. So, <laughs> so straight away there, we, we have a real it makes contradiction. No sense. It very much a guy. And he never said, well, I will never hire someone uh, uh, same-sex attracted to work for me. He never said anything like that. No, and, and at you the know? same time, he also never said, and in my new role, I'm going to push these views on everyone. He never right. said see, anything see, about them. Exactly. Someone got wind of the fact that this man had been given this job. Oh, he does that over in that phase of that, that section of his life. So he's going to try and infiltrate through. It's got nothing to do with what he was employed to do. He never said anything himself about it till someone questioned him directly. So this is, this is where, 
as I said, the word is contradiction. There is a massive contradiction in that scenario. Yeah. And you know, by the time this podcast is released, so people listening to this recording now, that this might have been a few weeks old, and there might be more water under the bridge between when we're speaking about this a couple of days after it happened to to what it develops into. But just the fact that it's even gotten this far to what we know about today recording this, there's a real problem. There's a real disconnect in the culture. Yeah, there's no question about it. But these, these men remain faithful. So then I brought up the question, why are other things deplatformed? Like Plant Parenthood, where Margaret Sanger says she wanted to eliminate um, the Negro population. What about pornography? which uh, we spend $3,000 every second, yeah. you know, uh, and in which one of our states, the United States, Arizona, has determined that pornography is a public health emergency. You know, um, uh, what about um, uh, transgenderism, you know, where we're lying to our brothers and sisters who we love with the, with the love in the heart of Christ, but who are confused. We love them enough not to lie to them. You know, and, and, and talk about, you know, we're made in God's image like us and to respect that. And let's help them. Yeah. You know, let's let's not condemn them. Let's not, you know, uh, we, we need to treat them with love and respect and, and dignity. And, and on and that topic, that. people are claiming that these people are going off and committing suicide because they're not being accepted. Right. I think quite the contrary. This confusion that they're suffering from to whatever level is being accepted far too much. And rather than tell them the truth and help them through something that is obviously very traumatic for them, but rather than loving them like we're called to, the culture accepts them. It says, no, you go for it. You be who you wanna be. And then they get to the point where they feel in and of themselves that something just isn't right anymore. And then they might start to twig to what's gone wrong and they can't think of how to get out of it. And that's where the suicides, I believe, are yeah. coming from. It's actually yeah. down the road because we didn't do anything further up the road. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, this is, but the culture will say, no, 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 you have to accept them. You have to embrace what they are claiming and, and encourage them and foster this in them. But why? If that's not love, we're called to love. And if we're going to lead them down that path, it's going to lead to that. That's not loving them. That's so right. we're not doing what we're called to be doing. So this is another big one. We've talked already today about so many different issues yes. that, that warrant a whole podcast or two of themselves. That's but right. That's but yeah, right. so we're just scratching over some of these. But it's a perfect example of this idea that they will tell us what is acceptable. They will tell us what is to be normalized. So. Yeah, exactly. Again, trying to wake us up. Yeah. But what happens is very interesting. So Nebuchadnezzar notices they're not burning, right? They... So he lets them out of the furnace, and they don't even, not even though, aren't they burnt, they don't even smell like they've even been inside, inside a furnace. Mm -hmm. And so now Nebuchadnezzar says this, uh, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and, and Abednego. Um, and then he goes on to say, uh, just to summarize this, we run out of time. He goes, uh, you know, uh, anyone who speaks against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego will be torn from limb to limb, all your property will be taken, uh, because there is no God who can save in this way. <laughs> so Nebuchadnezzar, first of all, when he throws him in the furnace, he goes, who's going to save you from yes. me? Because I'm your God now. Then when he sees the power of God working through the faith of these young men yep. who stood firm in the Lord despite everything that he was going to do to them and how God showed his power through them, yes. he, they witnessed to Nebuchadnezzar. Now Nebuchadnezzar becomes woke. Mm-hmm. Now Nebuchadnezzar is the one who's awake in the real the sense truth. of the word. In yes. the real sense. So now he's praising God. Yes. And he's saying anyone who speaks against this God yes. is gonna what? This is the That's power amazing. of witness. 
And that's what we need to do in our culture. And we, our witness can, can change and transform this culture. It can happen. And we don't have to be put into a furnace to be that witness. That's not what we're being Well, we're in the do. furnace now. But Some of the things we're talking about, it, there were the pressure that we're under. We're in, we're yeah. in the furnace from that, from that perspective of yes. the... the um, Oh, I can't think of the word. It's, we're not physically in the first. Right, right, physically were. in the first. But, but with the tax on religious liberty, the, 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 uh, the platforming. The, yeah, so the, the analogy, the, the, the analogy yeah. is very clear. But we haven't been physically called into a furnace, right, so we don't right. have that physical suffering. Well, some in of that our way. brothers and sisters in, in the continent of Africa, China, they're literally dying yes. and being tortured because they refuse to deny Jesus yes. Christ. So there's so some of one, them. One day we may be called to that yes. ourselves, but yes. while we're not, and whilst there will be suffering, the suffering isn't going to be that sort of suffering. So we have to embrace the suffering for a higher cause because look at the power of the witness. Look what yes. this witness can do. Mm-hmm. So this, this is it. This is, this is the, the good news at the end of this is, is these guys, they went through what would have been difficult there and in the culture to stand up against their almighty king and, and to actually say, no, we don't go that far because there's someone greater. And that someone greater now had their back instead of when they went into captivity and, and he couldn't help them because they didn't want to be helped. All of a sudden they've called on the Lord and he's come into bat for them. Yeah. And, and here they are now out the other side, they're safe and their witness has converted the very one who was there giving them grief in the first place. So this, this is the power of witness. And, and, and that's, I think it happened in our culture today. Um, you know, it seems, like it's the culture's a juggernaut. It seems like it's impossible. Like how can we? Because t- courts are making decisions, municipalities, cities are making decisions, uh, yeah. um, premiers are making decisions about things that affect the entire culture. How can we fight against that? But I take solace in the fact that in, in the United States we had Roe versus Wade, the mm-hmm. a big Supreme oh. Court decision overturned. Miraculous, right? And and yeah. never thought we'd see anything like that. But that's what happens when enough people witness. We can become like Nebuchadnezzar and we can change this culture. It is possible. We just have to have the passion and the conviction to live our Catholic faith. Absolutely. In the face of, of everything going on around us. This is, this is the good news at the end of it. And Deacon, we're very excited that you're, you're here with us. I'm excited. Giving this presentation. You've got, you've got another new presentation to give this afternoon at the conference. And uh, we're looking forward to that one. That presentation you'll be giving is... Um, Building the, a Civilization of Love, a Catholic Response to Racism. Which is going to be fantastic. Yeah. Once again, very topical, something new. To all of those who are listening to this discussion here in the podcast, the talk that Deacon gave that we've been referring to yesterday has been recorded. So this talk will be made available in our Perusia On Demand platform. So you can definitely get your hands on it there. And we'll release the audio versions in, in the CD and MP3 formats as they become available to, to whichever format you'd like to get that in. Deacon, you've also got a USB device that we, that we have, and it's got 22 talks on there. All the talks that we've recorded from, from Deacon Howard in the, the seven years that he's been coming out to Australia. And these new talks will be added to it. So that device will be updated and we'll add those couple of extra talks. We're not going to increase the price. It's just a couple of yep, extra talks on there right. for the same price. And so I do encourage people, if you, if you want to get your hands on that now and you can't wait for the new ones to come, you can go to perusiamedia.com here in Australia and pick up that USB device. It's also on Deacon Harold's store on his website, deaconharold.com. So I do encourage you to, to get that device. Deacon's got so much wisdom to share. As you can see, I'm so excited that you're here sharing it in person. It's yeah. A million times better than doing it over yes, Zoom. As absolutely. much as I enjoy, enjoy the Zoom conversations, it's just, it's more real. Absolutely. It, it, it's a lot easier to have a discussion when you, you haven't got the, the lag of, That's right. of the signal from the other side of the world. But, but yeah, once again, anyone who wants uh, any more information about Deacon Harold 
whether it's his resources or the events he has upcoming around the states, all his details are at deaconharold.com. Any more information about what we're doing at Perusia, including any upcoming events, obviously you won't be seeing this in time to, to attend the, the rest of this conference or the rest of Deacon's tour, but any other events that we have upcoming, all the details on perusiamedia.com. Deacon, thank you so much for joining us in person. Great to be here. Thank you, Mark. Looking forward to being back with you again for the next time we talk. It will be over Zoom, but it will still be worthwhile and Amen. looking forward to that. And Absolutely. yeah, really looking forward to your talk this afternoon. So thank can't you wait very for that. much. Appreciate and, it. And, and thank you, everybody else who is watching here on the Speaking with Deacon podcast, part of the Perusia Podcast Network. We look forward to your company next time. Thank you and God bless you.